Extended layoff here, but not super long. Uh, we are back, and we're doing something for the first time ever. We're going to be talking about. We teased this before, Quentin. This week we are the uh, PLE. That's right. We're the Prestige live event because uh, we're going to be talking about my live experience at Prestige. Um, how you doing tonight? I'm good. Um, less sick, significantly less sick, but. Still waiting to see if my voice is gonna give out any point. So we'll see how this goes. But I'm feeling I'm feeling good though. That's that's fantastic. You sound better. I heard you cough a couple times before we started recording, but not too bad. I'll apologize. It's not gonna be any coughing on my end, but you will. I was talking to Quentin before we started. We are working extra hard on Fred's barking. Um people who follow me on Twitter have seen me post some pictures of Fred, um, little terrier guy. So Part of working on that is that I'm not going to be leaving him in the living room while I record. So him and Barley are here with me. They're both chilling out, but Fred has a some kind of ram's horn that he likes to chew on. So you might hear some chewing in the background um, for all the ASMR heads. If you hear a couple little noises, that's what's going on back there. Um, do they do they like lay together or do they kind of like have their own spots? They do, but not regularly at night when they go to sleep. They lay together right next to each other to like cuddle up and stuff. But if they're just like, if it's not at night, it's just during the day, they have their own spots. We are working on crate training with Fred now. So saying spot too much is actually getting him. He thinks he's supposed to be going to his crate right now. Um, but uh, but that's now becoming like his spot is in the crate and her spot is on her bed uh, out, that's outside of it. So they will lay together, but right now they are not. Barley's on the floor in her bed and Fred is over on his little area. Uh, off to the side chewing on his little horn um and they used to have a big time problem like if we gave them chews like this they would like start fighting a little bit about over them but they've really calmed yeah. down with that and they get along really good so so that's been positive but yeah um the dog the dog and the cat get, get along really well for me now oh that's that's fantastic that is so cool maybe not i mean well look like for for as for as Good as a dog and a cat can get along, probably. Sure, sure. I mean, the size difference between them is crazy. Like it's wild. <laughs> like, he's I always like he's he's yeah. so he's so small. Blaze Blaze is so yeah. small. Yeah, it's so just a like, little tiny kitten and this giant dog. It's a yeah. He's he's, he's a little little, little tiny little, yeah little tiny guy. So, um, but that, yeah, but that but that's been, but that's been a lot better too. Like they'll like, I'll like come out of my room. And both of them will hear me come out, 
come up the stairs and be like, hey, man, you gonna, you gonna, you gonna let us in? I was like, wait, what? Hold on, what's going on in here? Like, <laughs> like you guys like just jump, like jumping me at two in the morning to both come into my room. All right, yeah. like, <laughs> but but yeah, they're but, um, but they're but they're but they're getting along better, good too. So that's fantastic. That's fan. Like I said, that's great. Yeah, these uh these two just gotta like I said, just working on Fred's barking. But you know, Quentin, you know what I was gonna ask you? You know what crossed my mind the other day? I was thinking about it. I don't remember why. I know out here on the on the West Coast, uh, the the when you like when you're a kid and you played in the dirt and stuff, that there's like big clumps of clay in the dirt. And I know that that's common here, like in the West Coast, like Southwest and and the Northwest. It's like a lot of clay in the dirt. But is there clay in the dirt everywhere? This is not just for you, actually. Anybody, tell me if when you were a kid you'd find like big clods of clumps of clay in the dirt when you'd play in it. Is there a lot of clay in the in the dirt there? Uh, where you grew up? Um, I wasn't really like a playing in the dirt kid, but there was a lot of sure, mulch. Sure. So there was like plenty. There was like plenty of mulch. Um, gotcha. Every, every everywhere. So yeah, I, so I don't. So I don't remember like big lumps of clay. Honestly, like I really, yeah, I really don't remember that at all. But also, like sure. wasn't wasn't areas where like if I played, I was right. playing in like. Uh, like base of mulch instead of like you know clay or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean part of it too is is out here in Southern California where I grew up and stuff. It was not like fully developed a lot of the places, so like there'd be just big dirt lots and stuff. And when it rains and things, you know, like stuff like that would happen. I just thought about it and I was like, oh, I don't know if there's like clay in the dirt everywhere, you know, or if that's common or if it's not common. I was just wondering about what the fuck clay is really. I was thinking about it and I was like. That's a really weird thing. I'm gonna investigate this some more, but uh, I just wanted to check people's experiences with the with dealing with clay. Um, what what do you want to do? Do you, is there any news or any things you want to talk about? You want to get into this? Initially, I had a plan. We're just gonna start with the prestige show, get that out of the way, kind of, and then move on to everything else. But we don't necessarily need to do that now. So, what do you think? Um. We can do this real quick. Um, did you watch the end of Royal of the Royal Rumble? I watched the main event and the post match uh, angle. I watched all of that. Um, I won't okay. say I liked it. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I know people are going That's crazy fair. for it. Yeah, I, um, I liked it, but no, no, you know the match was fine. Um, I'm not saying it's bad or nothing, but you know, it's WWE. It's kind of funny. You know what crossed my mind? And you know, obviously why should, why should I harp on something like this? But there was once a, a critique that was passed along to, uh, on about Kenny Omega about not doing like the basics, you know, not being able to do any basic moves or whatever. And it's kind of funny because that style has become like the WWE main event style where people just hit their moves over and over again. They just hit their big moves, near fall, kick out over and over. You don't really see a lot of basic wrestling. And that kind of, that style of wrestling just kind of bores me a lot. If I'm honest, you know, the, the beginning is nice. I enjoy when they're like feeling each other out and they're kind of locking it up. That's some good stuff there. Kevin is obviously Kevin Owens is fantastic. Roman Reigns is great. They both throw really nice looking strikes it sucks that WWE production cuts around so much, you know, Kevin bumps, you know, pinballs around and bumps as big as anybody. Like 
really, I think at this point and with the career that Kevin Owens has had in WWE, I think like a, a really apt comparison for his wrestling style historically for like old school fans who maybe don't love him or whatever. I think that that ship has kind of sailed. Most people just like appreciate him. But Kevin is a lot like Jerry Lawler in a lot of ways. Uh, big bumper, great strikes, mean, can brawl, sell, can sell you the emotion, all that kind of stuff, make people look great. You know what I mean? Like he's one of those kind of, he's that kind of worker. And I just think a different era, he could have been top of the thing, you know, top of the top of a territory kind of guy. Um, obviously he basically ended up doing that. But yeah, but then once you get to the, you know, the second half of the match, it's just trading bombs back and forth and that's it. And there's not really much like connective tissue or anything else. Um, but, uh, but you know, like I said, the match is, was fine. I don't know if you want to talk about the match or you can feel free to talk about the match and then get into the, the post-match angle and tell me your thoughts. I mean, the match is, I was, I would say, I would say it was good. I've seen Roman and Kevin have better, but I thought it was definitely good, especially like, the other stuff has mostly been a lot of gimmick matches in the past. And this had some big main event WWE tropes, but stayed away from the gimmick stuff for the most part. So for their, I guess, like non-gimmick match uh, foray in a title match, I thought I thought, I thought it was solid. I thought the finish was great. Like the yeah, spear and the barricade, you know- the, the spear and the barricade thing gets super overdone in big, in, in big matches. But the way they actually used it as a death blow and then Roman doing the stuff with Kevin on the steps and the way Kevin landed and how brutal that looked, like like the way they actually like put all that together so it didn't feel like empty, meaningless spots and shock value like Michael Bay explosions, like it was it was it was a very, very, very good finish to the match, I thought. Yeah, it plays into your the first point you were making there too that they didn't it wasn't heavily overly gimmicked and like you know all those tropes until that the finish where the barricade and the stairs were like the first time that anything outside of just wrestling got involved and it, they made it feel extra important which is you know that's actually a really good point about like the match staying pretty uh staying pretty like basic not basic but you know what I mean like staying pretty like uh uh smart and then like having making the most out of the big kind of big a couple big key elements um which i can't say because i don't watch wwe enough to say like oh they're you know this is a a departure from the normal style or whatever no i think um i think for roman in the last couple of years this is kind of just other than when he's facing like daniel bryan I feel like this is like pretty par for the course for what his style has become over the last couple of years. But um like I can say that while I like Roman, I don't think that like then that's not not always necessarily leading to like the Roman Reigns matches that I enjoy the most. But he's definitely like kind of like gotten this style down to a T. Um but yeah, I like I didn't bring this up to talk about the match itself. I bring this up obviously to talk about the storyline and this whole thing that they've been building towards and stuff like that. And specifically the Sami Zayn portion of it. And Sami Zayn, you know, we don't got to talk about his work at NXT. It's like, maybe, maybe we should. Maybe we need an NXT history lesson. Maybe we should, re, like, you know, re, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, maybe, maybe we should, we should, like, reestablish yeah. the fact that, like, Sami Zayn 
just in WWE had an all-time babyface run in NXT, leading to his title win. Right. That before that, as El Generico, he was one of the best babyfaces of all time. When you combine those two things, I think he's the best babyface of all time. He has his moments on the main roster, but not anything nearly consistent. He never wins a singles title or anything like or anything like that ever. I think that is like at least as a baby at least as a baby face, he never wins a single title. And he's mostly been a heel for the last four years. Like maybe like four, maybe four and some change. Yeah. I mean it's you know, been a you while. Know, yeah, you know like he like you know he turned he turned heel back when um Kevin Owens a few things with Shane McMahon and they were and and they, and they and they and they were together there, and eventually we get like the whole Sami Zayn chicken chicken shit heel shtick that he becomes honestly very good at. His wrestling takes a dive, but he yeah, was really was, really good in that role. That was one thing that I heard people kind of saying recently, like, "Oh, you know, his body shot and he can't wrestle like he used to," and it's like, well. At least a good thing he's in WWE, right? Because we don't need super worker El Generico to have great matches in WWE. You just need to be able to do what Roman Reigns was doing here, which is not, you know, over the top, right? Like, yeah. So that that whole kind of take is a little bit like, who cares? He's shown that he continues to be so emotionally engaging to the fans. So we have this where Sammy's been a heel. And that was success as a heel, but you know this isn't like the guy that spent his career being like an all-time legendary babyface. This isn't that guy. He's doing a completely new role and eventually starts doing really good at it, but you know, still just not really what he is. He's a career babyface to us. He's Sami Zayn. He's El Generico. He's like the best of all time to some of us, and. As this storyline with Roman Reigns goes on, I remember us coming on the podcast at some point and being like, you know what's kind of funny? They're building this. And yeah, they're talking about coat, but like I remember us coming on coming on this podcast and talking about yeah. Sami Zayn should be the one that beat to actually beat him. That was the conversation it's, that at some point we had on here. Yeah, and it it's only gotten more clear that that's where they need to go, honestly. Yeah, and that was months ago that we had that we that, that 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 we had this that we had this thought, and like that might not be a unique thought. I'm not saying that we're the first ones that thought of that, but we were already on. We we already kind of saw the potential for this. That Sami Zayn is so insanely likable, so insanely lovable that if you give him screen time, hmm, he's probably going to get really, really, really over. If you put him in important storylines and make him seem like he matters in some capacity, he's probably going to get really, really over. And that's what happens. They've been building this Sami Zayn bloodline and Kevin Owens thing and where does Sami's true loyalty lie and all that type of stuff. And eventually we get to this point in the angle after the Roman and Owens match and Sami finally stands up for Kevin Owens. Finally does it. Finally, finally stands up for him after looking conflicted and all the WWE melodramatic shots during the match. Sammy is finally saying, "Okay, this is enough. Stop." Okay, Roman gives him the chair. Tells Sammy to do it. Sammy hits Roman with the chair. Roman, uh, Sammy gets beat down. All this stuff, 
in the pop for every Sammy action when he steps in front of the chair when Roman's about to hit him. When Sammy hits Roman instead with the chair instead with the chair. Like legitimately the biggest pops I've heard in WWE like in years. In years, probably like the biggest pops I've heard in WWE. And I feel like there's potential for them to for like those pops to only get bigger, for those moments and the, those reactions to only get bigger. And I just look at this story, and on the show, Cody Rhodes came back. Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble. Wow, who would have thought that? <laughs> who would who would have thought that Cody <laughs> yeah, Rhodes right. would come back? Yeah, who who would have thought that? Uh, but it's just funny to sit there, like going into this situation, you know, as WWE finds itself in time and time again, year after year, heading into WrestleMania, where the right answer is right in front of them, but they're probably not going to do it. And the right answer is Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. That is absolutely one hundred percent the right answer here. But that's not what we're gonna. But that's not. That's not gonna be it. We're probably gonna get some Sammy, Sammy and Owens versus the Usos or whatever. And that's, that'll be great. That'll be awesome. That'll be like a really, really awesome match, probably. But the right answer, the right answer to who should beat Roman Reigns, is absolutely Sami Zayn. And. It's just funny to me to look back on Sami Zayn's career this whole time in WWE, like going on going on ten years now. I think like, yeah, probably going on ten years, very 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 soon. Like he reported to the PC probably like a little bit later in twenty thirteen than this. So yeah. like, at some point it'll be his ten year ten year mark in WWE in WWE, which is fucking insane to think that he's been in WWE for this long, right? But. He's never actually got a babyface run in this company and on the main roster. He's yeah. never actually he's never actually got one. For whatever the myriad of reasons and excuses are, one of the best babyfaces of all time never got a run as a babyface on the main roster. And it's just so funny to look at, to look at this 10 years later. Like there were, there were plenty of windows for Sami Zayn to be a big baby face on the main roster. There were plenty, there were plenty of windows for this. There's plenty of windows in 2016 and 2017 for Sami for Sami Zayn as a top baby face. They just didn't want to do it. They 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 decided that they would rather not use him, but there was plenty of windows for Sami Zayn as a top baby face. And to come back to that now in 2023 it's part, partially is vindicating but also, also is also like one of the most frustrating things I think I could ever remember as a wrestling fan. It's like, wow, it took seven fucking years <laughs> to let Sami Zayn build up to a big baby face moment. Like, it took seven fucking years for that. It right. took seven years. Like. It boggles my mind, but this is also this. This is also WWE, right? So like, it shouldn't. But yeah, I guess I guess really this is like a long winded way of saying, from the get go when they introduced Sammy, it felt like Sammy was gonna get really over, and that Sammy is gonna be a big, gonna be a really big piece of this. 
It wound up being true. And the real answer, the real answer is Sami Zayn should be wrestling Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And that Sami Zayn should beat him. But that's not gonna happen. And yeah, I guess that's that's my that's my that's my little thing there. Yeah, I mean there's a lot there. The angle itself, you know, not a hundred percent for me, but I also don't completely know the storyline, right? So I can't even fully like comment on it necessarily. Um in the sense that like I see a lot of people really going over the it feels like over the top for their reaction to how good it is. And from where I'm sitting, like it's like it was done really well, uh, but it's not like this amazing you know, feet or whatever. But again, like I said, I don't know uh, the full story. I kind of like um, the, 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 the way that it kind of mirrors and makes sense. Um, I think it's Jay, right? Jay Uso leaves when they start to attack and beat down Sammy. Yeah. It's Jay. Um, yeah. And I think that that plays off of, you know, something that I'm not hearing people talk about when they talk about this storyline, or maybe they're kind of, it's so on the nose that it doesn't, necessitate even mentioning for people you know as they just talk about like oh this is all about seeing the usos versus sammy or whatever no jay was doing such great acting or whatever that uh the part of the story here is not necessarily like that jay you know oh you know he cared so much about sammy now after not necessarily caring about him but what jay sees is like that he tried to stand up to roman and back down and just yeah and just you know took the the easy way out and just gave in to giving Roman what yeah, he wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like that's a whole aspect yeah. of this that I didn't mention because like the Sammy aspect I feel like is most important. But right, I'll like I'll give WWE credit this time. Like this is actual long term storytelling. Uh, uh, like right, other than the fucking like Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar stuff that people were like trying to make it seem like this was just like this well built or like well intentioned story or whatever. Like this is an actual long-term story that had like layers and substance to it where there's the Sammy Zayn portion and then you see Jay like looking looking on and it's like yeah this whole thing with Roman Reigns started off with Jay yeah it started off with Jay <clears throat> all those all those years ago and like him trying to fight and everything, bowing down to the family. This is for the family. All this, it all started with Jay. So like from that, I I love that aspect. Well, that might have been like yeah, maybe that might have been honestly like my favorite aspect of it. As much as I love the Sammy stuff about it, I love like that Jay aspect for sure. Yeah, like he sees, I could have stood up, and I could have not given in, and I could have you know, and that's like part of what's making it hard for him and why he just has to leave. Is that he sees like, oh, like, you know, that could have been me and maybe that should have been me. Because like you said, all of this stuff kind of started with Jay bowing down and then we've had these years of this dominant bloodline faction. And if Jay had not given in, there may they may have never even gotten started. There may have never been yeah, this, like, you know, yeah, this, like, this whole like thing. Jay, like, yeah, like Jay bowing down, Jimmy the, the got, got Jimmy to bow down and then you know, Jay Jay had always like had his issues or whatever, but like it, it was a dom- it was a domino effect. Jay bows down, Jimmy bows down, and like then we that and that's how we got where we were. And it's right. like literally all starts from that point of Jay not of Jay not being able to beat Roman or stand up fully to Roman. 
Yeah. So yeah, like that part's great. Like you said, I mean, Sammy really saved this angle in a lot of ways because, you know, there's a lot of revisionist history now and people are saying like, oh, the bloodline thing has been great. But again, not watching, but I was hearing the discourse kind of kind of become shaky and say it's the same storyline over and over again. And this is becoming so boring and blah, blah, like people were souring on the whole bloodline thing. And then Sammy breathed a breath of fresh air and life into this and created turning it into this hot angle that has this crowd going nuts. Another part of it is that like that led to like the the overall situation that we had here on on Royal Rumble. And it is kind of something that does make you go like, okay, let's keep this train moving and let's not continue down the path of like trying to bring it. And it's almost a blessing in disguise that The Rock's not going to show up, but that the Royal Rumble show overall and the company itself is like kind of being built around current stars and they don't need to have nostalgia acts coming back for the big shows and doing all this other stuff because you've got this hot angle on top with sammy and roman who are or current stars who are fucking over and then the rest of the card seems over the rest of the show seem over as well you know underneath it and they're bubbling up and building and you're actually having a company that feels like it's got some naturally occurring momentum with people that are getting over again I, you know, I don't like giving a ton of credit to WWE. It's not for me. The product doesn't really speak to me, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to argue with the fact that it's getting hot and it feels like they're actually making stars and getting people over for the first time in a long time. And it's not just let's bring what, who can we bring back and who can we, you know, get from the attitude era to be the star? And part of it is because they have to, but whatever, you know, lead a horse to water or whatever. Um, so it's like, yeah, like, we're actually getting some stars and Sammy's a big part of that. He saved this fucking storyline. He got it. People were talking about it being boring, all this stuff. And my last kind of thought on the whole thing is I just, I see people saying you talked about it with the baby face thing. I think it's really, really short sighted to not understand that Sammy Zayn has been in this position before the crowd lost their mind in NXT. When he won the title, they absolutely loved him as the top guy being the champion. It's not a crazy idea that he could ever do that again, but the real thing about it is that the the concept of the face of the company, the concept of can he be the face of the company? And I think it just speaks to the constant nature that WWE is always so fucking behind the times. Because to say that a guy like Sammy can't be the face of the company really speaks to the fact that WWE is so retrograde that they don't see that Sami Zayn is the face of modern America. Syrian immigrant from Canada. He's Muslim, the most popular religion in the world. If you wanted WWE's the face of WWE to actually reflect what the real world looks like, Sami Zayn is the guy. Sami Zayn looks more like the rest of the world than any of the other wrestlers and would be the perfect baby face, face of the company that actually speaks to actually getting people that relate to and believe in him. And I've talked about it before when I saw people on Twitter, Muslim people from all over the world talking about how Sami Zayn makes them feel. I've seen it like just randomly. And it's like people who, you know, I shouldn't even be seeing their tweets or seeing their posts or seeing whatever, but like makes that they can actually relate and see a Muslim man on their TV. And like, it's crazy to be like, this guy can't be the face of WWE how stupid are you to think that he could he could win the title if WWE was able to like actually move forward and get with the fucking times this is the kind of guy that should be the face of the company and i don't think that it's fair to like use that kind of low standards and retrograde nature of the company 
to make as an excuse for why this can't happen because it easily can. And it honestly makes more sense than anything. So that's kind of my final thought on the situation. I mean, you, 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 mean, you make a really good point. And especially it's like, if you're still an idiot that wanted to talk about Sammy's mic skills or something like that, it's like, like, come on. Like how many like great babyface promos that we see him cut in NXT? How many, like, like even, even though like the Braun, like the Braun Strowman, uh, mini program we got to see we got to see him cut like a really like strong promo segment with Mick Foley and everything like this guy is a good promo he's a great talker if you yeah. just let Sammy same thing with the same honestly a lot like Daniel said if you like you just let him go out there and like talk he's a really good talker just let him be a person he's a really good talker and you know um it's just always funny to think about Sammy in the GWB capacity because, like, he's the one person that I just refuse to be rational rational about at all. I just refuse. I just refuse to be rational at all or reasonable with him. And, like, I recognize that. I recognize that since being in WWE, at least since twenty at least since 2015, he really hasn't gotten a chance to do a ton of, a ton of things. Um, not that he's been bad in the spots he's gotten, but, like, he just hasn't gotten to do a lot, right? And I, can, and I totally recognize that. But, like, I'm sorry. That's like there's like a ro- like a rotating like I guess like three like three guys that always say like my favorite wrestlers ever and like Sammy's one and Sammy's one of them. Yeah. And like it's not just a favorite thing. I just honestly think he's the best baby face I've ever seen. And you know like it's no, no matter how much no matter how much time passes and how much Sammy still doesn't do and how much Sammy still doesn't accomplish and like how little of note Sammy gets to do. I'm sorry. I'm still going to say he's the best baby face of all time. I'm still going to do that. And I refuse to like back down on that or be reasonable or pick like a more reasonable pick or like, I'm sorry. He's the best baby face of all time. And I don't care. Come 2026, I will still rank (laughs) him like he's the best baby face of all time. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not pro. I'm not really prone to argue with you on that one. Like, I, I definitely, I see it. I don't, I don't consider myself necessarily the biggest, you know, fan of just like baby faces. I've always said that I'm not like a, a great judge of the of the baby face wrestlers and all that stuff, which is always it's kind of interesting. Um, I think that there's a lot of really good, really good ones. I like technical wrestling, like I love Bret Hart, all this, but yeah, Sammy. I mean, all timer, just the way, the way in which he gets over effortlessly flawlessly in any setting any style we'll talk about that a little bit later um yeah the guy is just uh phenomenal um i guess let's move on let's talk about this uh prestige show you went did you watch the full show yes i did okay um yeah, pretty uh, pretty good. Like the building, like the setup. Much better live than on tape because I did go back and watch some of it, and that's not just because of the horrendous commentary. Um, the camera work is really bad. It's dark. Can, it's can we? Uh, go ahead. We can talk about the matches and everything because there's like a bunch of there's interesting stuff on here, and like I have like general thoughts and critiques. So let's sure. talk about the show. This is legitimately the worst commentary I've ever heard. Yeah, this kid like, by himself is like brutal, man. I mean, this is like yeah. this is like legitimately 
And I've been watching indie wrestling for a long time. I've gone back into archives and watched old indie wrestling for a long time. This is legitimately some of the worst commentary I've ever heard in my life. And it's always like this on prestige shows. And I would love so badly if the commentary could stop being so fucking terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, prestige is actually becoming like a decent promotion. Like I've, I've talked and made fun of them before, but this show I thought was really good overall. They've booked some decent matches. They're like actually drawing crowds, but like again, I the live experience is so much better because you can actually see what's going on and you don't have to hear this guy. Um, and he's doing like a two-bit fucking Joey Styles impersonation, and I can't I can't get it out of my head how much I hear it. He and he's doing it like without being aware of like how to even use it right. Like he's doing the Joey Styles voice, but he's doing it at the wrong times. He's not putting the right inflections in the right places to like make it work even even as bad as joey was at times he's like doing it 10 times worse as first as tragedy then as farce as they say like it's this is that's the situation with this guy like jesus christ man you don't you don't even know what you're ripping off well enough to be ripping it off like i guess that's kind of how it works maybe maybe you can get better but it sucks for me to have to hear it as like while you're learning i have to listen to it right and like that's a it's a tough situation to be in. Um, but yeah, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, get in the building. First match, Davey, Tyler. This was, you know, decent. The crowd was into it. Davey comes out to uh, bring me back my bullets. Crowd's into it. You know, it's it was fine. Nothing. I don't have much to say. I like both these guys. I thought they had a pretty solid match here. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Uh, pretty, much, pretty much the same. Like, it's just... Two guys that have been around for a while, like having a solid match, but nothing really. Yeah. That's kind of like honestly one of the one of the least offensive things on the show. I like Bateman. He's grown into the wrestler that he is now. Uh, he used to, you know, he used to be a a lot flashier. He used to do a lot more. He's really kind of settled in to what he does now, and he does it well. Um, he's clearly trying to do like a Bruiser Brody thing. He really likes kind of being that guy and it works for him. Cruz and B-Boy, I absolutely adored. This is like a student teacher match. Um, I thought that they played off each other really well. B-Boy, I saw someone trying to be like B-Boy is still a thing. I'm so fucking mad. I'm like, B-Boy is still better than half the wrestlers you see on indie shows, even and even in this match. Um, I thought, yeah, they did a great job like playing off of the, again, like I said, the student teacher dynamic. Um, B-Boy being the veteran, like they really, I thought they did a really great job of making this like match make perfect sense, playing off of each other and their backgrounds and everything like that. I really, really enjoyed it. Cruz gets the win and Cruz, I can't, I don't want to do this again because he reminds me of like Mike Verna and a dozen other guys who I've done this with, uh, uh, Joe Graves, I think was his name. Like these guys who kind of look like a bland, you know, passing passes for white guy who's in decent shape and wrestles mechanically pretty well. And then just absolutely nothing happens, but Cruz feels like there's something there and he could maybe put it together and actually, you know, end up pretty decent, you know, but we'll see. You know, I thought, I thought thought this was solid. Like you said, B-boy is honestly like better than maybe even like 50% 
probably like better, better than like 60 or 70 percent of guys yeah around right now and he was really he was really good here but i thought, I thought cruz looked solid here too like you said and i'm not like again a, a, a lot of those type of guys like cruz come through and they don't they sometimes they don't ever usually take that next step but like with how healthy the west coast scene is right now i think there's plenty of opportunity opportunity for him to get better and uh uh, expand expand himself and see and see where he goes from there. It, it, it helps he's coming into like a pretty healthy scene. Yeah. Uh, tag team match here. Not just capping for my boy Royce Isaacs or anything, but this match absolutely kicked ass. And like at this point, it was like, okay, now we're like getting into the show being really good. And it was not, again, not just, oh, you know, whatever. But like West Coast Wrecking Crew are these two fucking bad, beefy motherfuckers. Team Filthy. See him on you know new japan strong see you know royce on in new japan proper in japan all this and they're going in here against these two undersized little shits who are just amazing fucking heels that somehow get the crowd to hate them and root for the big behemoths like it was just i thought that was so great that they got i was when they're coming into this and i was like west coast wrecking crew is going to play babyface against these little local kids like this is not there's no way this is going to happen but they were able to do it, and Suavecitos did a really good job of being able to get heat to actually make the crowd fucking dislike them. West Coast Wrecking Crew with just insane spots, especially Royce doing the uh, stalling vertical suplex where he just fucking walks around the building is just nuts. Um, the the huge, I love this huge like lift up uh, full Nelson that he does into a German suplex from the outside in. Like that's such a great spot. Like. Um, just absolutely incredible, like dynamic that you would not have predicted. Like it's, it feels just like fighting with fighting uphill, um, to try to get these guys, try to get these guys over as the baby faces. But again, I talked about it. Like Royce, Royce takes a suicide dive at one point, and the way that he sold it, and I don't know if you can even see it on camera, but in person I could see it. Like the facial selling and the way that he stumbled after the suicide dive just was a big part of what made it work. It's like Jesus, like such a great baby face able to be just this intense monster, but sells so well to, to get the sympathy, um, crazy cool power spots. Like, yeah, like uh, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really, really digging Royce Isaacs and what he's been doing lately. He's like actually like turning into a really, really fucking great wrestler to watch. Not necessarily like, Oh, like amazing technical, all that stuff. No, but like fun, get the crowd behind him. What he does in these tag team matches. Like he's so good. He's so good. Um, and then, yeah, the, the suavecitos are phenomenal as heels in this. Um, so yeah, I just really, really enjoyed this and thought that it was like a really good, it's like a tag team match with all the spots and all the high, you know, action stuff, but also had really good like storytelling and psychology and heel and babyface playing with the crowd, doing the ode to the bulldog spot, but with a uh, with like a flying senton off the torture rack double stomp was really fucking neat from Suavecito. So yeah, I absolutely adored this and was like, okay, now this show is getting moving. Um, what did you think about it, Quentin? Yeah, I'm not nearly as over the moon about it as as you are, but I can definitely see like live why this would yeah. like why 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 this would have grabbed you so much. I have fun watching this for sure, though. Um, West Coast Wrecking Crew, like you're you love these you love these guys, but like they they're just super consistent. Like even if I don't, even if for me they're not hitting like a ton of like a ton of like super high highs or anything like that, they're like uh, just so consistently solid every time out. And like, even from everything from like seeing them on different, like you know, like whether it's New Japan Strong or West Coast Pro, whatever, and like here, 
Like, this is probably one of my favorite matches I have seen from them in like the last like year or so. Honestly, like I really, I really, I really, I really didn't have, didn't have a lot of fun watching this. It makes me, and it makes me want to see like more of a low suavecitos too, for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna keep an eye on them and start trying to. I'm trying. I'm gonna try to go to more live shows, so I'll be giving reports on live uh, West Coast teams or West Coast wrestlers in general. But uh, suavecitos already. I mean, they're not two guys that I had never heard of. I know I've known and seen them around as singles in the past, but I think this tag team act is working really well. I'm gonna keep an eye on them. Um, follow this up with uh, Fatu and Evil Uno. This was fun in the building. I think people were really digging I hate, it. Not I necessarily hate, for I hate, me. I hate. I hated this. Yeah. I hated. Uh, that I hated was basically this. where I was going. I wanted to let you let you start it out. So go for Fuck it. Fuck this! I hated this so much. I hated yeah. this match. Yeah. I thought this was. God, Fatu was so frustrating, man. I know he is so know. frustrating because of all the like the political stuff that goes into like booking him and using him, and it is just beyond frustrating, and it like hampers every single match of his. That's not in West Coast Pro, and even then, in West Coast Pro, like we're not getting the best version of him, and that, and that can even be hampered by like dumb bullshit a lot of the time. But God, this sucked. And then you put like this and fucking like Sonico and Shuma back to back. It's like what? Yeah. Like, like what the? F- I hated this stretch. I hated this stretch so much. And there's a Kevin Blackwood match on here. Like there's a kid. There's a kid bandit match. Followed by Kevin Blackwood match. In this particular stretch was the worst thing on the show for me. And I hated it so much. I know I realized I'm gonna put those two matches together. Um oh, Sonico versus Sonico versus Shuma is definitely better than um than Fatu and uh and Evo Uno. But yeah, I did not I did not have a I did not have fun with this stretch of matches. Well, I'll give you the Uno and Fatu. I definitely, I, I wonder about Fatu a lot of times. Like, is it him or is it all the people that he works with? You know what I mean? Because he's early on, he like hooked up with uh with the, the Almighty Sheik and kind of the uh, the 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 crew. Oh, God, I can't even think of the name of it. The PCW. Uh, Ultra, the, that company, and he signed a contract with them. But then he's also got like, you know, he trained with his uncle. He's a, a lineage, all this and that. But it feels like his he's entire a, he's fucking. A, you know, he's a court. He's, he's a court Bauer guy. So yeah, like, well, I was gonna say. Guys, it so, felt like so guys, oh, so guys that were in power in MLW, where we're like, if we're in MLW, showed up there, like you know, like Court Bauer. I'm not sure much Conan had to do with MLW at any point, but like, if yeah, like always, yeah. He, so like, like different. Like he's he's been around nothing but like politicians and especially when he's like a guy that from the beginning people pegged as like you're gonna be a top guy like he's been around nothing but politics right but i guess my point was more like i wonder how much of it is him and how much of it is people that he has contracts with exactly you know if they're telling him he can't ever lose and it's I, i i don't know because from the start he's been with people who have like a, he has like I said he had the contract with PCW which was Almighty Sheik who's a fucking politicker, then he you know that transitioned into having the contract with MLW with Court and Almighty Sheik was still involved so more politicking and it's like okay is it that he refuses a job or is it that the people who he's under contract with are always telling him he can't fucking job, but then the fucked up part is then 
all these companies want to book him with guys like Evil Uno here, who's like, you know, he can't lose because he's Tony Khan, and Tony Khan doesn't let his wrestler, he really does not like to let his wrestlers job on other shows. So then you're like, okay, well, why did you book this match? <laughs> you know, but we've gotten so much of this from Fatu. And I don't know. I want to know if it's him, if it, Fatu doesn't like to job, or if it's always been that he's just always been under contract. Because I could see it both ways. Like I said, from the beginning, you know, trained with his uncle and his whole family and all that. He might have been told never to job. But I'm with you on that. It was frustrating. Like I said, in the building, the crowd liked it. They were into it. They were having fun with Evil Uno and all this. I don't fucking care for it. So not a big, I wasn't into all the goofiness. Um, where I depart from you, and this is a live building thing, is Sonico and Shunma. This was obviously a big deal to me. I was super excited from the jump to come here and see Shunma live. I felt yeah. like it did not disappoint. Um, we got all the craziness, the blood, the Legos, the violence. All of that is what I really wanted. Um, and it delivered. And like I said, I'm up close and personal. I can actually see everything because these terrible cameras, everything is so dark. You can't tell what the fuck is going on. You know, it's raining down Legos. They're getting the doors and the table or, you know, mostly just doors, chairs, everything, violence, all of that. So I absolutely loved this. Like I was losing my mind for it. A lot of it was being in the building. I can see definitely not being into it on tape, but, uh, but you know, it was a culmination of a big deal and it was it was definitely a big deal for me to get to see Shunma live because I've been such a big fan of his from the DNA days. I mean, it was him and Higuchi were the guys that I thought like in the DNA days were going to be big stars. And then obviously their careers took different paths, but you know, Higuchi's at the top of the company and, and Shunma's here, but at least I finally got to see Shunma. And maybe I'll get to see Higuchi here in a couple of months because they did announce that he's coming for the DDT show. And I'm excited to see that. Um, we will talk about it here after this next match, but Mao uh, has been, much better lately and he's going to be there so hopefully that'll be fun too um but first kid bandit robert martyr i thought this was odd because i expected this to be the semi-main event um but i was kind of ended up pretty happy that it wasn't because this match kind of i didn't think was very good and would have kind of not been great in the semi-main position um my biggest issue with it was just that they were doing the you know tell not show storytelling where rather than actually like you know, show me the story and develop it in the ring. They were trying to tell me, oh, you were my best friend, but now you're a bitch and this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, you're telling me this, but that doesn't make me invested in this story just because you're telling me that like you guys were friends and all this and that, like get like fucking sell me, show me the story. Don't tell me the story. Right. And that was kind of what happened here. I'm kind of interested in Robert Marty Martyr's development lately. It feels like he's, he's kind of trying to try something new. I've always kind of liked him enough. Um, it's tough to 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 hate on him when you see like the kind of match that he had with Makabe, um, which obviously is with Makabe, but it does make you see like there is some potential there that there this he could M martyr could actually be something. He's just really trying really hard to figure it out. And I think I think what he really needs to do is just fucking chill. I mean, I don't know if you ever checked out Moxley's book, but one thing that Moxley talked about in there was like when it finally hit. And he understood what people were talking about um, when it came to like everything. It was just the, how it all felt so easy and so effortless. And he could do, you know, he could run the ropes, you know, in three steps and not even notice, you know, and do, and do everything to where like you just don't get blown up. And it's not because of how good your cardio is. It's because you're not nervous anymore and you're comfortable and everything feels natural. And like, I think that Martyr needs to figure out how to get there and not like, it just feels like he's trying to overthink everything 
and trying to trying so hard to be a great wrestler. Um, and I mean, comparing him to Makabe, this is probably a good point because, like, I think that Makabe, obviously, he's a great example of someone who really thinks about everything and breaks it down and does all this stuff. But, but he keeps that, you know, behind the curtain. You can tell that Makabe really deeply thinks about everything and puts tons of thought and effort into coming up with things. But then the second that he's out in front of the crowd, it's like he's just in the moment. And I think that that's what we need to see from Robert Martyr to where he can finally like just be comfortable out there in the ring and not be trying so hard to be, like I said, to be a great wrestler and just like try to be like a wrestler, just be a wrestler. Um, but yeah, what did you think? I mean, yeah, like um, Martyr's still 21. So like... Well, like so, like if he, if he sticks with this, like I really, I really do think he'd be he could be a great wrestler. Like once he figures, once he, once he like does have that time to put everything together and has that epiphany, because like he's solid, but you know, not not everyone's a prodigy, right? Not every not everyone is like gonna come in as like this prodigy level like talent or whatever. But I think for the most part, what encourages me with Martyr is like I think his head, I think his head's in the right place. I think his head is definitely in the right place. And he has like a lot of like the right influences that like show like a real dedication, like wanting to get better. And like all you can do at this point point in time is like try things and see and see what doesn't work for you and see what does work for you. The worst thing for someone like Martyr is getting pushed too hard and getting pushed too much. Yeah. And maybe like this particular thing and putting him like and I guess in like a somewhat important storyline is maybe pushing him a little too much and, like, taking him out of his death a little bit. Well, like, if you're telling me, hey, let's do Robert Martyr versus someone and they just go out there and kick their and kick each other's asses for 10 minutes or Robert Martyr sells his ass off or we're going to have, like, eight minutes of Robert Martyr doing, like, chicken shit heel shit or whatever. Like, that's, like, up his alley. But I think asking Martyr to, like, carry, like, the emotional weight of a storyline or, like, be able to be, like, the emotional, like, balance of a storyline on the opposite end of Kid Bandit is asking for a lot of not just Martyr, but both of them. And, like I said, I, I, I do think that, like, Martyr has something there. He has enough, like, desire. And I really think, I really just come down to his influences. I really think that just with his influences, he's going to be able to get there. But I think that this is definitely a moment where they made a, like, even if it wasn't like a gigantic spot, it's still like okay, like maybe he's not ready for that yet. So, yeah, this this match didn't this match didn't do a bunch for me, but like, I you know as far as like the mar- like martyr as a long term prospect, I still I still I still believe in him. Yeah, yeah, and then like I said, this being the semi main, um, and what I will dub as the Mal miracle, um, because. Before this match started, there was like this guy standing nearby us who said like, oh, this is going to kick ass when he saw both guys in the ring with each other. And not even me, Alicia, who's like, you know, a passive wrestling fan. She looked at me and she's like, I don't know about that (laughs) because she knows Mal and she knows Kevin Blackwood enough to be like, yeah, these guys aren't, you know, they're not like amazing. Um, but somehow we ended up with this match and Quentin, I mean, what did you think of this? The most weird, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to feel. 
the fact that like I actually enjoyed this match, and that probably my second favorite match of the night, probably. Yeah, like yeah. I'm like, oh wow! I did not expect this at all. I did not expect Mao to be the one to get a good Kevin Blackwood match out of seeing so many people attempted and fail. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, I like this. I like this Kevin Blackwood match more than like Blackwood versus Thatcher or something. Honestly, <laughs> like, Bla- like Blackwood versus Davy. Yeah, it, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know I don't know how to explain this. Honestly, I don't know how to explain this. I don't know how this happened. Like this is like a fucking rip in like the in like in, in reality. I don't know what series of events happened in order to make this match like good, but I don't have a single bad word to say about it and honestly like Again, this is better than a lot of like the big Kevin Blackwood dream matches that we've gotten over the last year. Yeah, it's I mean, it's better than the Mal. So I think you know what just crossed my mind is we're here and I was thinking about it. It's like Mal has the Ada the Ata disease. Like Mao is one of these guys who just hates wrestling in Japan and like is better when he wrestles anywhere else, basically. It's what it feels like. Because, like, he had the run with the Moonlight Express and the matches that they were having in England that were actually really good. And then, you know, that stuff kept him kept him invigorated. And then when he comes here to America, it's like, I'm seeing that again. And it was funny because, like, even referencing that, it's very funny because it's like the England thing. Because partway through the match when he did the, um, when he did the counter on the, the waist lock, um, where he, like, danced and swiveled around. I was like, all right, I was waiting for him to do some World of Sport goofy bullshit. But it was like, that was still fine, and it was just, like, one little thing. And obviously, he did the Artful Dodger spot, which I fucking absolutely hate. But it was, like, in the moment, it was, you know, it was fine. It was just, like, a little bit in the match. But, like, yeah, it was just, like, Mao just does not... He's just so much better outside of Japan. It's 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 one of those things. He's just... I guess he's just that guy, but... He was fucking incredible here. Kevin Blackwood kept up with him. And like that was basically all he had to do. The crowd was ready for Mao. They loved him. Um, but yeah, like the back to back with the leap up Hurricane Rana into the I don't even know how to describe it. It was like a leap to the top rope springboard fucking crooked Phoenix splash. One of the just most nuts things I've ever fucking seen. I guess it wasn't even a Phoenix Splash because it was back. No, I'm trying to think. Okay, Phoenix Splash, you're are you facing forward or backwards? Backwards, yes. So it is a Phoenix Splash. Yeah, 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 yeah it backwards. Was... It's a yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, 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 a cor- it's a corkscrew 450, yeah. Yeah, it's like a corkscrew moonsault, I guess. Kind of. Anyways, fucking crazy, crazy fucking spot. Just absolutely nutty. And the way that he hit it so effortlessly. Like, back-to-back, and just, god damn, like I said. But the thing is, is that he was energized off of this, because we'll talk about um, Sweet Dreams, but it was the same level of performance in the tag team match on Sweet Dreams. So it's just like, okay, Mao is like, (laughs) he needs to leave Japan for a bit to get recharged, I guess. That's like how how it works. Um, But main event on this show, Athena versus Yamashita. Um... Quentin, what does it say about Tony Tony Khan's booking that both of his promotions right now, his 
actual best champions are the women. Athena's heel work right now is absolutely amazing. She's kind of, I can't remember even who I compared it to, but like it, there's like a fit Finley as nature to it, where she's using the ring apron ring skirt stuff and doing kind of, again, like world of sport roughneck heel stuff. That's just like absolutely up my alley that I really love, but also being just a phenomenal chicken shit, just trash talking, over the top bravado. I can see a little bit of, of Victoria. Yeah, you can see some Victoria. Like I said, Fit yeah. Finley. Um, like some Bachwinkle, fucking Zabisco. Like really old school heel, but also obviously updated with doing neat, interesting things. I mean, and then. <laughs> I mean, just being Athena, you know, being uh, like unapologetically a black woman from Texas and just the way that she's doing all of that together, where it just feels so naturally wrestling. Like I talked about, it's it's pro it's old school pro wrestling updated for the modern day. Uh, and it's fucking perfect. There was people in the crowd that were just adoring this, losing their mind. I was having the most fun that I've had watching a wrestling match in a long time, just watching Athena. And it's so funny because before this, I watched Athena versus Marina Shafir from AEW Dark. And I was just like, oh my God, this does not, this is not working because it was heel versus heel and it was awkward. But Athena was doing a lot of the same stuff, but here against just a straight up baby face. And I was eating it up. I mean, I don't know, I needed two spoons. I was just having the a fucking field day in the crowd, how much I was loving this. Yeah, but Quentin, what did you what did you think? No, I thought this was really awesome. Uh, my one thing, maybe would have liked some a little bit of time taken off of this. Maybe like, honestly, maybe like you could probably take like four sure. or five minutes off of this, and that probably would have been ideal for me. And just like what I wanted, what the kind of pace I wanted, I would have wanted to see from those two. But this was really, really good, and um, I'm. I'm Athena is she's just I'm not I'm not sure she's the best. She but she's really interesting. She's like the way in which she does things now it puts it's put it's put her in this it's put her in her space where like I kind of just want to watch all of her matches. And I'm not even sure they're all gonna be good. But like she's entered that territory of hmm, yes. I just wanna I just wanna see what she wants. I just wanna see what she's gonna do. Let her cook. That's all I want. I just want to. I want to see what she does, because she's just she's in a really great space. Like you said, the matches might not be fun, but I want to see what she comes up with. Yeah, that's that, that's that's about where I'm at with it for her. You know how much I love Miu Yamashita. So, and it's like that. I was very fascinated to see how this how this was going. I thought that she looked solid here, but yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean. Uh, the Sonico versus Shunma and the Fatu versus Evil Uno stretch was just not for me at all. Um, but like there was some solid stuff on this prestige show, and I can definitely see like if you like if you had if you would have had like a like a very very fun time live. Yeah, I absolutely love this show in the building. I would highly recommend going to it. So if you can go back in time, go to the show live. 
uh it was way worth it but watching it on tape like you said not not necessarily worth it bad production can't see anything bad commentary um and there's some dips and stuff i cannot stress real. enough how much just commentary fucking sucks yes. just this brutal. is brutal this is like ass terrible shit this is fucking the worst like watch this on mute type of thing it is <laughs> yeah that bad like i no dude, I've, I've i've sat through the worst a aaw commentary bad aiw commentary gcw kevin commentary I've sat, I've, sat, I've sat through fucking kevin gill led booths i've fucking sat through wrestle circus commentary like i've sat through like terrible shit this is some of the worst commentary i've ever heard in my life i yeah well, let's move on to a show that has great commentary and much better production. Action Wrestling, Lords of Chaos. Um, I thought everything on this show was great and way worth checking out. I don't know how much we need to like really dig into everything, but quit and feel free if you want to. Uh, you I don't know if you have the card up. Do you want me to run down the card? Um, but I I am going to take I've, a backseat. I've, I've, yeah, I have okay. the card up. Um, right, pull it up and, and talk about what you want to talk about and I'll, I'll add in my two cents on what you feel like talking about. Like I said, I could talk about everything on here. I enjoyed every match, so I'm not giving anything short shrift. But uh, um, we'll just we'll, we'll have, speed through like, this one. I'll probably, I'll probably have like three takeaways. Um, you know, we, we, pray, we praise action enough. You know, Dylan doesn't need more of our praise. So yeah. like, Matt, I know. Yeah. Matt's always <laughs> fucking in my yeah, me and Matt, no. yeah, yeah, Matt, yeah, yeah, Matt and Dylan don't need more of our praise. Like, that's yeah. fuck. Um, I like Noah Hospin a lot, man. Yes. Dude. I I think he's so good. I really, okay. really like him. I'm gonna make you within this next year, we've already I think we maybe we already did, but we're definitely gonna be reviewing DPW more th- over this next year because I think that they might be sleeper promotion of the year for 2022, actually. Um, but there was a Hosman, JD Drake, Eric Royal three-way on the most recent show. Where Hosman felt like I tweeted this, but he felt right at home in there with two of the best big man workers of the past ten years. This guy is really fucking good. Yeah, I compared to like some of like the other big man prospects that have come around the last few years. Like if I'm, if I'm comparing him to guys like say like Manders or even O'Shea, who's on the same card. If I'm being honest, yeah, I think he's my favorite. Like, out of like these kind of guys that have come up through this through this area through this region, honest to God, Noah Hospin might be my favorite one. Like, I mean, I, I love I, O'Shea, I, but yeah, yeah. Like, I love, I, I think the world of Hosman. Like, and I think O'Shea's awesome, but I feel like we've also kind of seen like a clear ceiling on O'Shea. Kinda like, I look at Hosman and I'm like, wow, like you could be on TV for a long time. Oh yeah, like, like I like I just see it with him. But uh, yeah, that was my big takeaway. Like watching uh, uh, Newman and Hosman versus the Reup. I was like, man, Hosman is really, really awesome. I just love that guy. Uh, I I don't know, but I really like Broken Finley. I'm starting. I was like high on him. Then I like lost steam, and I'm coming back around. Yeah, yeah. I'm like. Like he is just someone that I just like watching, and again, 
the match, like the match, might not always like land or like stick the la- stick the landing entirely. But I just enjoy watching him figure it out and figure out how he wants to do things and how he develops over time. I just enjoy watching his process of things. Um, what do you think? What, what did you think of Sugar uh, Mac? You know, I I thought that it was a, a really solid Suge D performance, who is not necessarily always this game, necessarily when it comes to in-ring. He bumped around real big. He he definitely went out of his way to make Mac look really good. I think that this is the best that Mac is in the ring when he's doing kind of a lot of spots, mile a minute, working super fast. Um. That said, I think, I don't know, like, I was kind of hoping, and I don't know if maybe the storyline's continuing more, the post-match obviously feels like they're continuing to build, but, like, that's kind of the issue, I think, with all of this, is that it just doesn't, it feels like there's not really a destination, they're just kind of continuing to go, but that said, like, I thought this was honestly the peak of of both these guys when it comes to in ring, but then the the finish and it just felt really flat, and kind of like we're just like it's just a, a a bump in the road, and I want I want to be a little bit more invested, you know, on this kind of stuff. I think if you're going to continue to get me going, I need a little I need I don't know what I need. I need a, like a little bit more spice, so that. Coming out of this, I actually am like excited for what's coming next, and I don't feel like I just sat through like a like I said like a like just a little road road stop. I thought it was smart that they got through it quick. They didn't like overstay the welcome on something that's just a like I said just like a bump of the road of the storyline. Um, so that's solid. Like I didn't I didn't have to invest a ton of time into something that was not going to give me anything definitive. Post that match beatdown with with Derek Neal was intriguing and maybe maybe if i was dylan or or the other people who are really into Derek neal then this would be that big thing that actually made me feel like this was worthwhile but i've just never gotten into neal so i think it that was probably a big part of what made it feel flat for me i what did you think i mean honestly pretty much pretty much everything there uh yeah was about like was about how i felt with that one um I didn't really know how to put it into words either with that one. So I yeah. think like so like I defer I defer to you there, but I think you got it. Um last one. Uh oh well okay, la- is the last one before the main event or just last one in general? Well last one is before the main event. Like I just like okay. just my just my takes. Um I'm I'm pretty sure. You know, like I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure that I feel like the only wrestler that I feel is better than Anthony Henry right now is the best wrestler of all time. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm getting to a point where I truly believe that the only wrestler that is clearly better in the world right now than Anthony Henry is Brian Danielson, who is the best wrestler to ever live. Right. And I think that's a testament to just Henry's growth and his journey. You know, he's been he's been he's been around since 2002, but in particular his journey over the last 7 years. 
is that seeing him just put all this together consistently year after year after year and just continue to keep topping himself and when he's 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 so good at everything at everything about what he does from his selling to his striking his demeanor his body language if he's working babyface he can be really good like everything that he does he just execute at executes at such a high level that I think the only person that I might say is better than him clearly right now is Brian Daniel is Brian Danielson. Like John Moxley had his run of really good matches, but I'm not sure I think that Moxley is better than him. I'm not sure that like I think certain people are better than him. And I, I don't I don't know. Like I'm just so high on Anthony Henry, and I have been for a lot for for a long for a long time. We both we yeah. both have been, but just something about him in 2021, and just something I mean 2022, and something about him here now. It's 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 getting it's getting to a point where I don't really know who's supposed to be better than him. Like it's getting like clearer and clearer that at least in terms of like I don't, I don't think is he signed to AEW? I don't think he is. But like uh, in terms, maybe. Anyway, sorry. it says all it says all elite wrestling on his thing. I'm not sure if he signed or whatever, but I think like, that they did a, a like a yeah a um, you know Anthony Henry is all elite thing. I think that that happened, but yeah, maybe not. But like I, I was gonna say in terms of like I guess like unsigned guys or whatever whatever you want to say, but like he like is so clearly the best one in the world. But if he signed, then that's great for him. But like. I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about at some point that like Henry had his like breakthrough back in 2015. And that was like, he was probably like 33 back then. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're talking about a guy, we're talking about a guy that's going on 40 years old. Like he came in around the same time as when Jimmy Rave and AJ were getting established. Right. And Jay, I mean, he's like, not. He was in Wild Side, but he was definitely like a, a few years after them. But yeah, close yeah, 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 yeah. Like when 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 AJ and Jimmy were like the like the lead guys, they're like, like Anthony was still like kind of like more like more like more of a baby, I guess. But like, right. Still, like that's his that's his era of guys, and the fact that he's like not just hitting his stride, but like. Hitting it at such a high level as to where you could argue he's the best wrestler in the world is kind of fucking nuts, honestly. Yeah. And like something that just doesn't happen very often. Like that type of career trajectory just does not happen. And I don't know, I just really commend him for that because it's easy to get discouraged with that type of stuff and quit and do whatever. Just not like feel like feel like this isn't go this isn't going well for you. But he kept going and kept going. And all these years later, he feels like one of the best wrestlers, like one of the the tippy top best wrestlers in the world. And like the same thing for Adam Priest, obviously. Obviously, like Adam Priest is great, and people should have him in their top five, top threes, or whatever of wrestlers but of the year. They're but number like, one. Number number they're number ones. Like, yeah. but he. Uh, it, it's, it's something about Anthony Henry and like his journey to get to this point 
that is just really just fascinating to me that I wish people talked about more. Yeah, I mean, I I fell in love with Anthony Henry the first time I saw him, and I'll admit that like it was pretty late. You know, it was I don't remember him from Wild Side, and I watched Wild Side back in the day. I you know I didn't remember him for Anarchy. You know, when I first talked about 2015, like SCI, I think I remember. I think I had seen him, whatever. But when I saw that, I was like, this guy is fucking amazing. And continue to really follow him since then. And at that point, he'd been wrestling for like five years. He's like one of those, you know, or 10 years. He's one of those like fucking 10 year overnight sensation kind of guys, right? Like, but you're absolutely correct. Like a phenomenal, amazing wrestler. One of the best going right now. One of the best ever. And it, it's such a bummer because like I saw someone was talking about um, Colby who you know, obviously, is is the rumors are he signed to WWE and he, I he's going to end up high on my list for 2022. He had a great fucking year, and they were saying like, "Oh, Colby, I think he's I think the rumor is he's going to WWE." And I was like, "Yeah, you know, Colby was one of the top five wrestlers in in the U.S. Indies, you know, last year, and now he signed to WWE." But you know, the, like basically being like, "Oh, that's promising for his prospects," but it is kind of like, yeah, but so was Anthony Henry, <laughs> and like. You saw how that went. He was one of the top five wrestlers in all of America and he got signed to WWE and he fucking completely washed out. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But Henry came back and absolutely hit the ground running as if nothing fucking changed and honestly has gotten better even since to where you're talking about it. I mean, this is one of the absolute top wrestlers in the fucking world a guy who you can go back and watch this stuff and just see how good he's been for how long he's been um it's incredible i do want to give a quick shout to the tag team match before the main event uh the skulk versus uh culture inc i think culture inc actually comes across like the first team who feels like at some point soon they could be ready to 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 dethrone violences forever and win, you know, some of these tag belts off of those guys. Uh, Culture Inc. is actually insanely over in their ma- this match. I really, really, really loved. But might as well get into the main event here. Anthony Henry, Adam Priest. Um, It's interesting because this feels similar to what we're going to, you know, talk about here in a second with DVT, where Adam Priest drops the title to, you know, best wrestler, whatever this kind of monster and then gets it back. And I'm kind of seeing like, Oh, you know, you can kind of do this story. You can do the, the quick title change off of the kind of guy who deserves it. You know, the kind of guy who, who there's no question that he should be the champion or should win the, be able to beat the champion and do a quick, like he comes back and overcomes and wins the title back thing. And you don't really see this that often anymore. But you can do this in the right places. The problem is, you know, this happens too often. So it's like when you do it right, and I think that Matt did a really good job here, this was like really the perfect way to do this. I honestly, I want to argue that this match should be grandfathered in to counting as part of the 2022 year for a wrestler of the year case because it's part of a feud that was well-established throughout 2022, even though it technically happened 
in you know 2023 but it's you know the bigger story and all that is part is part of last year and this really does feel like closing up business on last year's stuff but you know whatever we will we'll debate that later but yeah this was perfect the way that they built this was great and the commentary did such a great job of like of reminding you of how this makes sense with the way that the ropes have played such a big part in the rivalry between these two and their matches um but as you said anthony henry you know what's an under appreciated or or maybe under spoken about thing about anthony henry that makes him so good you talked about how he can do it all but he wrestles to what he's doing when anthony henry bumps and sells as a heel he bumps and sells as a heel when he bumps and sells as a baby face he bumps and sells as a baby face there's a lot of wrestlers who really don't get the just the just the light differences that come to that. When you were talking earlier about Generico, uh, Sami Zayn, when he sold for getting beat down by the bloodline, you could see the difference in the way that he sold as a babyface for the first time in a long time compared to the way he sold as a heel. And that's like something that Anthony Henry does an amazing job as. A lot of wrestlers just basically do the mechanics the same either way, but you can see that Anthony Henry understands like how to actually deliver every part of his performance differently based on what he's do- like what he's trying to convey um this yeah this ma- i absolutely adore this match gotta give the shout out to to the core woo i was gonna do it anyways but hey this is a good enough spot as anyways as any uh wrestler his wrestler of the year adam priest here um people should definitely go check out um core Wu's, uh end of the year awards the spinning, the on, spinning wheel kick. Yeah, the spin wheel kick on Twitter, the, spin the top pin tweet, spin, spinning wheel kick. kick.wordpress.com. So on Twitter, he's at spin wheel kick. The, the okay, website right, right, is spinning wheel kick. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely go check that out. Read those blurbs again. I mean, it's just, it's amazing seeing our friends, the people we've been talking to for years doing this amazing, like really great reporting and talking about this stuff. Um, Go check that out. His list was so good. I loved the 10, the 10 under 10. That was such a good one. Top 10 matches that were under 10 minutes. That was a great, you know, award to have on the list. Uh, and then, yeah, his wrestler of the year list. I could not argue with it. It was very unassailable. Like Korwu is, you know, one of those guys and him having Anthony Henry number one and not having um, speedball Mike Bailey in his, in his top 20 definitely made me feel seen and definitely made me feel comfortable with a lot of the the situations where I'm at in my head when it comes to my wrestler of the year list so it was really nice to see that to know that like okay there's at least someone with a brain who sees the world the way that I see it so I don't feel like I'm fucking on Mars because the speedball number one speedball wrestler of the year takes have really been making me feel like I'm fucking crazy I don't know about you but that's a I diatribe. Mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, no, like I, we we talked, we talked, we talked about it during WrestleMania weekend. It's like, uh, like, uh, okay, this is yeah. kind of weird. Like, you get, you guys didn't never like speedball that much, and now suddenly because it's like, okay, it's, it's a little weird, but all right. But but no, nah, I, but I yeah, definitely, no, I definitely yeah, agree with that. Uh, but feel free, Quentin, move on to the match here and and tell me your thoughts on this main event of main events. Oh, 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 I kind of did with, with Priest and Henry. Kinda, sure, that's, kinda, true. Well, look, that's 
I, I, no, it was it was really good. This, this, like Henry is a is really good at like kind of like the mid match injury type of selling. I think he's yeah. really great at that, and um, I just love the pace. This is one of my favorite priest performances. Honestly, I just loved how energetic he was in this whole thing, and like building to the finish. Like yeah, it was like like just I did not know what was gonna happen. I did not know what to expect. I didn't know what type of insane thing to expect there. But it was like a perfect here the hero vanquishes the villain type of awesome finish, and I loved it. But like I was really in suspense the whole time. Like I do not know what is going to happen when they're all, when they get like when they when they do something off this ladder. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And I was definitely not I did not know where we were gonna go like with the with the the storyline, right? I didn't know is Priest gonna just lose here? You know, I didn't expect them to flop the title back and forth the way they did. That's why I said I really appreciated doing that because it was a nice kind of change of pace, the finish and the way they built it. Priest, honestly kind of scary with how good he is and where he's at in his career at such a you know young age i mean he's not like you know some crazy rookie but at the same time he's not you know even 30 26 years old and wrestles as smart and as good as you know people that you've seen who are you know 20 30 year vets someone like anthony henry he's right there with him so really impressive and and something to look forward to um, all right, Quentin. Chris Brooks presents Baka Gaijin and Friends, Volume One and Two. What did you think about these? No, um, I actually did check these out. Abe versus the Deathworm. Oh my god! I highly recommend checking it out. Very, very fun, very fun match. Um, Jay Briscoe Memorial Show. Did you watch any of this? No, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't see any of it. Okay, very fun, worth watching. There's a lot here, obviously, with the promos, with cutting in archival matches. Um, but yeah, highly recommend giving it a giving it a watch. The Athena Madison Rain, more Athena being just a fucking heel god. Um, main event was phenomenal with Claudio and, and Christopher Daniels. Um, yeah, good show. DDT, sweet dreams. Um, I really only watched the top two matches. I probably should have watched some of the degeneration uh matches, but Quentin, tell me about whatever else on the show I should have I should have checked out before the two the top two. No, I only want to having time to check out uh, the main the main event. Um uh since you since you've been talking, uh Blaze has decided that he wants to uh sit okay. in my lap. Um that's good. so that's great. Let's see if we can get this uh the guy to chill out here, but um, her right into the right into the microphone. He he might he might do that. He might do that. Not I'm not sure. Um, Brandon but, shifts places to where he's now like laying at the door waiting for Alicia to get home because she went grocery shopping. Um, he is yeah, not yeah, loving being trapped in the really, room. Yeah, he's now um really fixated on this bottle cap. Um, <laughs> so okay, tag. So you didn't want the tag team match. No, I didn't. Go ahead. Go ahead, so go ahead okay. with the tag team match. Yeah, I would say check this out. This is a really good, uh, you know, uh, 37 combino match. Like I said, Mao feels re-energized. You're not getting a bunch of bullshit from him. Um, him and Shunma have, are really 
perfecting their tag team stuff, like their double teams, the slickness between their tags, their their posing, everything, the way that they work to the crowd. And then obviously the uh, the Omega team, um, what is it, uh, Oishi and Asahi, like really great together, can do the serious, neat little like funky spots. I, you know, I love the weird little detail things that you just don't see. Um, they do this weird, very odd thing. Um, Asahi gets um, Shunma in a electric chair and Oishi like rolls through and then puts Mao into a um, slingshot position on Asahi. So Asahi then drops back and slingshots Mao onto Shunma in an electric chair drop. It's just a cool little double team thing, you know, and they do. They love like these two just love. It really feels like they're I, I have not like looked into it and read it, but them wearing the jumpsuits and doing all of these weird little spots feels like they're clearly doing like some kind of like, you know, technical mechanic thing um, where they're just like the wrestling nerds is basically their gimmick. And it's fucking great. Um, so, yeah, them and uh, 37 Kamina, just phenomenal delivery between the two and Mao, like I said, Mao's game. He's just hitting spots, fucking being really good in this tag team with Shunma, and and I'm I'm actually really loving this tag team. So hopefully we keep this going for a bit. Main event: Higuchi versus Hino. Quentin, what are your thoughts? Um, so first I want to talk about the match. The match itself is really, really great. The best Hino match I've seen in the I've seen I've seen in a long time. Um, Taguchi, we've sung his praises endlessly for the last however many years, but I loved everything about like it. Just kept me engaged the entire way through. It felt like a big title fight, and the result was genuinely shocking. Now, he knows always has been like during his current run in DDT has always been protected and pushed, so maybe it shouldn't be that shocking. But nonetheless, it was it was kind of like what he beat Higuchi that like that happened. He did that, and it was like a genuine moment of shock that like in a good way. Like it sucks because we're Higuchi guys. We want to see Higuchi, um, you know, hold that belt for as long as possible and be the ace of the world and things like that. But like it was a it was a good shock. It was something that like was played up really, really well. And, like, the way they get to it and the finish and what actually happens, it's not, like, a dejected sort of shock. It's 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 a glad you were went along with the ride type of, type, type of thing for me. So I love the match itself. They beat the absolute shit out of each other. Higuchi selling is all-time all level, and it really should get talked about in that way. So I love the match. Just from a booking booking perspective, it's really interesting because you look towards the future and uh, there's nothing there's nothing like super clear here, right? Like we've saw um like we saw like Higuchi face the Endos, the Takashitas, and the Uenos already. Like we saw like we saw this happen. 
And really, like DDT can go a bunch of different directions all the time. That's one of my one of DDT's best qualities, and something that can frustrate me with them is like how they can just change things on the drop on the drop of a dime. But what do you do from here? Do you do a Haguchi redemption story, and he works his way back up to beating Hino? Do you give the belt to Yukio Naya? Like, <laughs> is that is that what we're building towards? Because if we are, he's gotten better, but not nearly better enough to warrant that. So, what exactly is the plan here? So, for the good shock that comes out of the title win, it then makes me look have, like have to look ahead as to where okay. Oguchi was doing have it was doing a great run as a champ. He's no longer the champ. You could always go back to him. But do I truly expect that? And if I don't, are you telling me that we're building towards Yuki Onaya being the KOD openweight champion? <laughs> I I think, like I said, I'm comparing it to the match, the main event we just reviewed. Like I think that this is a bump in the road signature challenger who, like you said, Higuchi, not stale, but we kind of told the story. He ran through the challengers. He was dominant with all of the top guys. And now you had him come in here against the monster. And even though he's taller than Hino, and obviously Hino is, you know, thicker than him, he's still able to sell we talked about this a thousand million times. I don't, it's not even worth saying again. Higuchi is able to sell small and make this Hino, who's shorter than him, look bigger and, and more imposing. Um, the chops and the back and forth, he did not shrink. He didn't like just sell like he's just completely you know annihilated by this guy, but he made Hino feel like a formidable opponent who it makes sense that he was able to beat him. And part of it is... Gucci falling for it and playing his game. This turns into a chop fest back and forth, and Gucci shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have tried to go chop for chop with Hino. He should have. He should have tried basically anything else. He should have used his speed. He should have used anything else. But instead, he tried to stand there and trade with the thicker, bigger monster. Right, and that's the story. But he come. He's going to come back, and he's going to win the title back. That's, I think, the only way to tell this story. And what it does is it builds up to the Naya match where now there's intrinsically the story of the fact that Higuchi has shown that he's weak against monsters and Naya is also a big monster, right? So it makes it feel more like a threat that Higuchi could lose to Naya and then he beats him. Because I do, I agree with you that Naya is not ready to win the title. Even if I love trolling soccer Evan with the idea that Naya is going to win the title. Um, I don't think it's coming anytime soon, right? Like, it it's coming. I, you have to do accept that Naya is going to win the title eventually because at the end of the day, this is still DDT, no matter what's going on. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a good tease to have Higuchi need something to overcome, something to build back from and get the title back. And then that sets up the storyline that he's going to be weak against someone like Naya and Naya is a major threat for him to where people are going to actually want to see that match and believe that there's a good chance that Naya can beat him, even though he's not going to. So I really do think that's where it is. It's funny because 
I remember relatively recently on a podcast, and I can't remember when, but talking about Hino feeling like he had taken a back seat and not being presented as strong as he was in the past. And whoever I was talking to said, like, kind of, you know, told me I was wrong and I was wrong. Hino has always been protected and presented this way to where it makes perfect sense that he can just win the title. Hino is the kind of guy who can just be the champion pretty effortlessly. And it doesn't, it's not out of character for the way that he's been presented in the company. So this was perfect. This was the right guy to do this with. This was the right way to do it. And it's honestly, I think the perfect booking. We just have to get back to Taguchi winning the title back. Cause that's, I mean, clearly he's the guy. I really do think that they understand that. And I honestly think that hopefully they're smart enough to know that they got to get the title back on Higuchi before they come to America. But I don't know how much they actually care about the WrestleMania weekend, but it just, to me, I just, I don't understand them running these shows, WrestleMania weekend in America for the first time in however many years and not having Higuchi be the champion. Unless I guess maybe he's going to win the title in America, which would be cool. I would be very excited for that. Yeah, I mean, but but there, but there is the aspect that Higuchi isn't isn't the biggest fan of flying though. But, so, I mean, they've already announced that he's coming. Okay, true, true. So true. I get what you're saying, but yeah, but like if if he wasn't coming, then I get it. Hino can, you know, bring the title yeah, to America. Course. But 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 Higuchi is. They've already announced that he's going to be on the shows. So I. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't hate seeing Higuchi win the title, but I want to see him be the champion in America. You know, like, so I guess he could win the title on the DDT show and then defend it on the DDT versus GCW show. And that would still be pretty cool, but we'll see where they go. But yeah, I just, yeah. And I didn't even talk about the match. <laughs> Obviously, I fucking adored the match. They just, the way they chopped each other to hell and back. It was fucking brutal. Um. I love the way Higuchi does the splits on the power bomb. It's such a cool thing. I just, ah, he's the best. The finish I thought was really good. Even if you could say like, maybe it felt like a little bit of a botch or whatever, the way that, you know, had to muscle him up and then dropped him and had to pick him back up, but never lost control. Just got kind of squirrely. I thought was really actually really added to it. If he had just hit the fucking bomb clean, it's like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. But the way that the struggle played into the end really, really delivered the storyline the way that I think it needs to be, which is that Higuchi won, but he didn't really best him. He won for the night, but he didn't prove that he's the better man. Um, and you talked about Naya. I've talked about Naya, but the fact that Naya was in Hino's corner for the match and was up close and personal the whole way, I think really was a nice detail that could help to build to where we're going to go from here. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize you passed it off to me. <laughs> so. Oh, I didn't really. I should have, but yeah, that's uh that's my final, my final thought for now. But yeah, I mean, DDC has these, has these moments sometimes where like, okay, like, I don't really know what you're going to do next. Right. Uh, so yeah, we, we just we just have to wait and see. But I'm gonna be really really curious. Um, but yeah, that's it for uh for me. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about. All right, AIW wasted youth. Did you? Uh, uh, how, what did you think uh, about this? No, uh, no, <laughs> no. I did actually watch this show. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I really just wanted to see um 
Rip City Shooters versus Members Only. Really good match. I would highly recommend people check that one out. Um, but yeah, that's it from me. Um, did you watch Adam Priest versus Tony Deppen from the GCW show? No, I didn't. Not Joseph going crazy for it. I watched it. It was pretty good. I would I would recommend that too, but not as highly as some of the other things I've recommended. Joseph liked it a lot. I don't know. I don't quite know why. Um, either way, that's it from me. Um, we already. I already. You know, I already shouted out Corwu, spinning wheel kick, the spin wheel kick on Twitter. Check those out. Um, did you watch Joseph's end of the year video by any chance? Yes. I've I've not I've not consumed any year end content. Okay, I can understand you don't want to get influenced. That's probably pretty smart. Um, either way, yeah. Feel free, Quentin. Close it out. Anything else you want to talk about? Feel free, and then or we can go home. Uh, no, I'm no, I'm good. Um. If you're feeling us so kind to, you could watch our friends. So go to the spinning go to the spinning wheel kick and read uh read all the ex read, read the excerpts and write up and write ups there for for him, for his list. You could go to Joseph Monticilio's YouTube channel and go watch his massive video highlighting 2022. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at ROH Dutch. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. If you're feeling that so kind, so you can donate to us on coffee. And I don't know, you could like give my cat his own microphone. I guess I don't know. He's just really obsessed with this thing. He just likes to climb on the desk and touch the microphone. He was like bopping it as I was new. Nice. This odd little guy over here. But that's it for me, really. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hope you're next time. Same one that I forgot to praise, still above me One thing about it, I'ma beat him to the punches Stumped all day, thinking mama where the love went With every triplet of trips around the sun Some of the sludge get thick, I'm chipping away at crust Hold your head, your shit is in for a whole nother bust Roaming the Citadel, on foot 11 when the split gave me a rush Playing the cuts like a DJ let me know if you on tango with some lemon meringue while it be soul stained gum exploring a couple different avenues to stand dangerous day drunk yeah sometimes the pain sitting fester in the hate beloved i'm working on it it's worth the time further down the line you might realize what's yours obviously mine toss the sword back into the vines calling out for lord looking low and high Finally found it at the core of my demon fire. What's a little lie? What's a little lie? Tell me. Gotta make it straight. What? That's what he told me too. <laughs> Shorty, I got to get this out. It's kind of stuck. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs>